Welcome to the Finer Things. I'm Lisa, and this is Wes. Hey, everybody. And we are podcasting from the Cigar Lodge in Akron, Ohio. The different members-only lounge here is a beautiful Cigar Lodge in Akron, Ohio. They've got several members' lounges. So, um, today we're going to be discussing the second part of my most recent trip to Scotland. What are you smoking? I have a Rocky Patel Decade 10th Anniversary. Nice. Which is a dark wrapper. It is... Not pitch black, but... Not pitch black. It's the Toro size. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's a Rocky Patel. It's going to be solid. I know I'm going to like it. Um, I was recently in Atlanta, Georgia, <clears throat> and picked these cigars up at the Rocky Patel Burn Lounge. Nice. Nice plug. We, and I got one for Lisa. Yes, he treated me to a LP1, obviously Rocky Patel, with the hand-drilled, and it's, it's a little lighter in color. It's kind of a medium brown. Fat. It is. It really is. Fat boy. Yep. Awesome. So where do we, do you remember where we left off? I do, but we got to talk about what we're drinking today. Yes, we've got Glenlivet. Nadura, which means natural in Gaelic. It's Oloroso Sherry Matured Cask. And the alcohol percentage on this is 60.3. Big one. Strong. Strong scotch. Yep. Lisa likes her strong scotches. So take a swig of that. Let me know what you feel. The sherry will obviously come through, mm-hmm. especially for the sherry casks. Or I feel sherry and instantly drunk at that proof of alcohol. <laughs> and that's why you drink scotch. Yeah. I mean, let's get down to the brass tacks. Yeah. So where we left off last time, we got off Eileen and... Um, we're off the boat. Amazing. You've met some folks from all across the world. Yep. We're in day five, five or six of ten. I, not even. So yeah, we're maybe four or five. Four or five. I know we're we're almost at the halfway point. You've hit the island. You're, yes. You, and you said last time that you technically, and this is how you can tell what we do for a living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you technically hit all the distilleries. Yes. So, we get back to the mainland Scotland, and um, immediately go to Edinburgh. No, sorry, Glasgow. Glasgow, because it's closer. It's still quite a drive. Now, Glasgow is kind of a industrial city. It's, it's got some similarity to Cleveland. It's kind of industrial. It can be a little rougher blue than collar. the rest of the country. It's blue collar. We use our fists to solve problems, and that's okay. Well, they have what's called the Glasgow kiss, and that's headbutting somebody. <laughs> so God bless them for that. So we can uh, infer what uh, that a lot of scotch and whiskey gets drank. Yes. And maybe, as we've learned throughout history, that when a, a group of men... And this, and, and this is where the female of the species tends not to get involved. But when you have a bunch of drunk guys, usually they tend to throw down yes. quicker than a bunch of drunk women. Yes, <laughs> so, that's quite true. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was nice. We took a nice long walk 
right by the River Clyde, if I remember correctly. Correct me if I'm wrong and you know what you're talking about. And saw this little, it was kind of a boat, and there were no markings or anything on it. I mean, it's like a really oversized houseboat. And there's a bunch of people just coming and going and standing outside it. A bunch of people inside. Suspicious to you. There's no markings. There's no menu. There's there's nothing that pops up on Google Maps telling you what this place is. And apparently it's some kind of dodgy little pub or nightclub. Ooh, or God the best kind. only the, knows what it was. Those are the best kind. Oh, yeah. But the people going in there, I mean, it was a weird mix. You had women in nice dresses. You had girls that looked like they were ready to throw down with the guys you were just talking about. That's super funny. Had a bunch of those guys, a bunch of old guys. It was bizarre. You have been to the, and this is a local uh, shout out here, to the Diamond Grill. I have. So the Diamond (laughs) Grill is one of those places where you will drive by this place. (laughs) Hundred thousand times. Yeah. And the first thought in your mind is not this is a Michelin rated restaurant. Well, it's not, but it's very it's a very high quality it restaurant. It is and very nice. It would never cross your No, mind. it 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 doesn't look like it would be. It looks like something in between a fifties car dealership that has not been updated and a front for a front. That's a good idea. Yeah. Now, compared to the Diamond Grill, uh, as far as that scale of, did you go in? Oh, God, no. No guts. Okay. No. So, so we had a little... It was scary. I mean, most of Glasgow, it can be a little rough, but I've got a certain love for it. And you speak this place was just okay. terrifying. Well, I mean, like, like I said, you speak the language, so, okay, anyway, so you... Uh, this dodgy place. You mm-hmm. what, what you said it was a was on a boat or in a little. It looked like it looked like an overgrown houseboat. It was like okay. a flat boat raft with the roof kind of a structure. That reminds me of a picture. Sort of a hodgepodge. Or who knows what this is? They might have done that for tax reasons. They might have done that for a lot of reasons. <laughs> you name them, believe the tax reasons. There's a uh, classic picture of a uh, house in. Uh, believe it's one of the you see if it's not Scotland it's upper England and there they built a house on a bridge in between two cities oh, wow. and they did that because that way they didn't have to pay well, tax sure. in either city sure. so that tends to be the reason we do things so that's cute anyway so you guys notice this place yeah now steering away from there I will say that the drive from the ferry stop to Glasgow was just exquisitely beautiful. You're driving right along some water. I think Lake Loch Lamond. Loch Lamond. I think. My and home, my ancestral home. I mean, it's it's really beautiful. There's just mountains to one side and Loch Lamond to the other, and beautiful, picturesque castles and churches and it's just oh my god amazing one of the most beautiful drives ever if you get a chance you should make that drive and we're on the wrong side of the road yeah that would i mean that's well, not to them to them they're on yeah we're we're on the wrong side yeah I mean, this this is the this is we do this the story so. debate 
we do this to ourselves. So, and I think if memory serves, you did have a standard transmission or did not have a standard transmission? Did not. Thought okay. that would be just a bridge too far, having to manage it because you're trying to control it with the wrong hand from what you're used to. You're on the opposite right. side of the road, right. the opposite side of the car. We thought, oh, that's pushing it. And I don't have a clue where the clutch would be in that situation. I just don't. We skipped that whole thing and went straight for the automatic. Good choice. Good choice. Yep. So how, how long of a drive was it? Was it an hour, two hours? I mean... From where? From when you got off the ferry to Glasgow. I want to say it was about two and a half. Because it, it's not... It's very really, mountainous. It's not really far as the crow flies. I mean, it's really close. But you've got to go around all kinds of lakes and mountains, and you're dodging everything. So, so there's no good way to get there. No. Okay. This was the good way to get there, and it was really picturesque. So it was a good way to get there. So that's phenomenal. And the I recently came back from a trip to uh, Savannah and Atlanta over the holiday weekend, and I had a convertible. Nice. And that's part of a convertible Mustang, which is near and dear to Lisa's heart. Yes, it this is. This was a 2018, so it had a uh, uh, little, little I don't like the look of those as much as I love my beautiful classic baby. There was a pep in the step, if you I'm will. I'm sure that's true. <laughs> I believe so, that. There is no pep in my Mustang step at all right uh, now. Oh, that's funny. Uh, but the, and that's one of the part of the finer things is that you could, especially when you travel, you recognize that you are, it's almost like you're creating your own movie. Uh, because Correct. we were driving up and down the Georgia Highway <coughs> in a Mustang convertible, heat of all, the August day. Yeah. I mean, oh, that, that's hot down there. And, that's hot. But it's very, it's still, just like you said, it's picturesque yeah. in a sense that there's not a cloud in the sky, yep. there's nothing around you, and you're, it's like those scenes from the movie when they roll the credits and they're riding off into the sunset. Yep. So much, um, you know, it's not the same thing as Scotland, that's for sure, because I'm sure, sure. it's way more mountainous where you were, but it's that part of the finer things is you recognize that you're, you, you're in that moment. Yeah. We talk, we've talked about being in that moment, and you know tons tons. that you're right there, here's where I'm at, you're enjoying it, and you experience that gorgeous drive. Yep. And that way, in two and a half hours, I mean, you get out of the car, you're like, okay, you take a stretch, but then you're like, Still a nice drive, right? And did you did you make it all in one sitting, or did you? Oh yeah, we well okay. We stopped by the side of the road to take pictures a couple of times, but yes, more or less yes. We just drove straight through because we already had Glasgow booked for the night. So, so you had a plan of attack. Yeah, we had, had to get there. Okay, so where did you stay? Did you do an Airbnb in Glasgow, or did you have a hotel? No, it was hotel. The um, Ritz Carlton. I want to say it was a Hilton, maybe? Hilton or a Doubletree. Something along that line. Five stars, obviously. It was okay. I don't know that I'm going to say five stars. Really? Yeah. Ooh. It was okay. What made I, it? I mean, no shade on it. It was a, sure. it was a nice hotel room. Right. It's it not the Motel 6. It five stars. Okay. Yeah, it definitely was not Motel 6. Right. The door did not open up to the outside. No. <laughs> there, there are very few things in life that I have rules about, but I do have a set of rules. And they've kept me on the straight and narrow for this far. But one of them is you never stay at a hotel where the door 
opens up to the outside. <laughs> if you can help it. I no. have plenty of times and, you know, to varying degrees, usually Motel 6 is like, uh, it's okay, I guess I'll do it. Actually, the first month that I was in law school, we were looking for a place to stay, to live, and we lived in a Motel 6 the first month of law school. I was trying to study contracts, and people were barbecuing outside my door. I love this country so much. <laughs> um, that, this is why the terrorists stayed us right there, is that you could live in a hotel. I knew a kid that did that, too. I mean, technically, I was homeless, but, you know, I'm looking for a place to stay. I'm certainly not in the same situation sure. that everybody else who is homeless is. What? I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a stable address to put on my kids' school enrollment forms. I'm like, uh, we're at the Motel 6. P.O. boxes. That's the key to life right there. Yeah. So you're, you stopped and had a couple of photo opportunities. That's good. Uh, and, and that's always nice on a long road trip. Yeah. Um, on the road trip on I-16, where we were going from uh, Atlanta to Savannah, um, right in the middle, there it's a four-hour, or it's a three-and-a-half-hour, four-hour drive. Mm-hmm. And even at highway speeds, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, uh, it's still three and change. Yeah. So, but halfway in between is a nice little barbecue place. Um. Yeah. Excuse me, you're in the right part of the country for barbecue. So any place you stop for barbecue is a nice little it barbecue was, place. Not, because it, it was the stereotypical, it looked like, it was a shack, it looked like a shanty. Oh. And we, we, we stopped and, you know, you hit the restroom, you wash your hands, you stretch out your legs, and you fill the gas tank up, and then you sit down and you're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to have this meal because you, you know, you, how you are on the road. Yeah. You just you want to take a break, and y- you know, walking in to a shanty, and then the, <laughs> the nice woman is like y'all, and and has that nice southern draw, and it, and I knew when I walked in, I was like, this is going to be some good food. Well, let me ask you this <laughs> because. I'm familiar with barbecue. I know my barbecue, and I know my barbecue regions. Did you have to order by the like quarter pound, half pound, pound for each type of meat that you got? No. Then you were not in a good place. No. You were not in a proper, authentic place. I could place. have, though. There, it was on the menu. Okay. It, it was on the menu. I'm giving them a look right now. It, it, it is a look. I, it was delicious. That's how you do it. That's it was how you delicious. Do barbecue. It was delicious. All right. So uh, anyway, we're we're back in Scotland. Mm-hmm. We get to so what's the first thing after you guys get in, settled in the hotel? Is this early in the morning, late at night? What, what, late what? at night. We okay. we came off the ferry and we had spent most of the day on the island. Got on the ferry. It's like God, two hours, maybe more. On the ferry. Yeah. Okay, so you're... Maybe you're, hour and a half, I can't remember. So you're four hours in traveling, so you guys just crash. Right. So we get back, and we take that nice walk, and it's it's a decent length. We have some Indian food at a very nice place. Have and a curry? Yeah, we did. Was it, did, you, did you get spicy, or...? I always get spicy. I mean, well, I never make it spicy enough. Relatively speaking, curry it comes in... Mild, that would be the West man. Let's just be honest. I'm not, I, I do like spicy food, 
but spicy to me and spicy to Lisa, wildly different. See, I wildly different. There's a plate, an Indian food restaurant near my boyfriend's house, and we always go in there, and they always ask us, "How hot do you want it?" And we're like five out of five. Hot. And it's not I nearly hot enough. I maybe get to two. Next time, I'm gonna say, "Okay, look." Make it your five out of five. Don't look at me and consider me to be a white woman. Give me the five out of five. Give me like a regular here. Other words, let's go forty out of five. Right. Let's rank it up. I'll sign the waiver up there. She's like, I will I, sign. I will the sign the waiver. I will I'll write the waiver and then sign it. <laughs> I will sign the waiver. That's funny. Um, I eat ghost peppers. I mean, I I like spicy food. I don't eat them regularly. What's the program where they? I'm afraid of them. What's the program where the celebrities eat the hot food? I have no idea. Okay, there's a program on the interwebs that they do that, so we're gonna try to get Lisa signed up for it. Um, I'm so in. The next day. So, what was the plan of attack? The next day was we were driving from Glasgow to Edinburgh. It's about a one-hour drive, but the plan was that we were going to stop in Rosslyn Chapel. Which is not far from Edinburgh. And this is, you've seen it in, in to be uh, some background on Rosalind Chapel. I'm happy that he knows what I'm talking about just from the name because some, a lot of people don't until you clue them in. Well, you have seen this in a you lot have. of movies. You it, have. It is your stereotypical, and especially the movie um, with Tom Hanks. Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code. It was I believe. based on that chapel. Correct. So if you've ever seen that movie, that's the chapel that she is talking about. Yeah. So it it really, in real life, is full of mysteries, and that's why Dan Brown wrote the novel about it, and that's why there's a movie. I mean, it's full of weird, unexplainable kind of stuff. Like, one of the carvings in there is a carving of maize. Well, at the time when it was carved, we didn't know corn existed. It wasn't a thing in Europe. So how are they carving it? They didn't have any plants that looked like that. And yet there it is. And we're talking about a time frame where hundreds and hundreds of years ago, where we have ascertained through the common experience of humankind that people tend to draw, prior to language and writing stuff down, they would draw pictures based mm -hmm. upon what they saw or what they knew. Sure. So... For that sculpture or for that painting or for that drawing to be present, there had to be a either a mental copy or there had to be a there had to be some knowledge of that to reproduce it. It could it, it, this is not a drawing where you could it, you draw a, a corn cob. It's a corn cob. Right. You have to know what it looks like to draw it. Right. Which otherwise, means you had to see it and you had to know what it is. I mean, otherwise, think of some plant in nature that looks like corn. You can't. It's kind of its own thing. I mean, you've got the corn-like substances, like maize, and technically that's what was probably carved into the stone on the beams and walls. But, I mean, they're all cousins and brothers and sisters. It's all related. And you've got no other plant that looks anything like that. So you've been to Rosalind Chapel, and you've seen the movie. I have not seen the okay. movie. So, I'm kind of not interested. Anyway, so how long did you spend in the chapel? <laughs> we shut it down. We stayed there until <laughs> they closed. Um, 
we had spent some time in Glasgow just kind of messing about the city, seeing the different things earlier that day. By the way, there's a lovely fun statue in Glasgow. I don't know what it is, but if you've been to Glasgow, you know what it is. It's the guy on horseback and somebody stuck a traffic cone on his head, one of the big orange cones, and it just became part of the statue. And then they stuck one on the horse's head and all throughout Scotland. Each city kind of has their own little sculpture project and you decorate things. And like Chicago, New York, they did cows. That was kind of a worldwide thing. They did a lot of cows here and there and everywhere. But Scotland has these laughing boys. I mean, they're just happy they're kind of rocking back in laughter. Well, they put one right next to that statue, and it's got a cone on his head, too. And it's just It's like Banksy. Fine. It's like a Banksy kind of thing. Well, sort that of. Kind of sort of. That's, that's awesome, because Rosalind Chapel, now how did it feel, and again, you know, drawing on the living in a moment kind mm-hmm. of feeling, how did it feel to be in that much history? Because Rosalind Chapel, you can tell us what it was built. I could if I remembered. It was in the 1200s. Well, I think it might have been later than that, but... It's early. We'll go with that. 1200, so... It was early. And they planned... That's... I'm the kind of person that notices little small details. Like, one of the things they talked about was they excavated the foundation so and found out that it was supposed... No. Oh, okay. These are the little signs throughout. Okay. And you can't take pictures in Rosslyn Chapel. It's actually used as a chapel. We got kicked out because it was a Sunday and people were coming there to worship. So, you know, we Sunday gotta go. services. We gotta go. So, the foundation, it was intended to be considerably bigger than it was. And it's like, this guy was not going to stop here to build all of this in such a short period of time. And then it was added on to later, but it never got to the scale that he envisioned it would be. Did, when you were walking through it, yeah. did you, because it, again, this comes from, everybody's been to a place where when you walk in, it, you have a feeling, a sense, whatever that sense right. could be like, a, it either, you can call it an aura, your right. gut, I mean, and usually when you go to, uh, I had the privilege of studying in Oxford in college, mm-hmm. I've been to Edinburgh, and, I, you know, I know where Lisa is right now. Yeah, We're, not far. Right, when when you, and especially when you go to Europe and older countries, yeah. and, you know, in this case, most of the East Coast, you can walk into a building and you have a sense of, uh, this thing, this building, oh. this, building, this building has seen some stuff. Yeah. As, you know, if this building, could, yeah. if these walls could talk. Now, what, did you have that feeling, and how did that how did that come about? Yes. So, one of the things that's a big feature, and I mean a big feature in Rosslyn Chapel, is there are three pillars right at the front. The two on the ends are very different, and you've got the stonemason's pillar and you've got the apprentice pillar and the story i believe it's been backed up by history but the story is that the stonemason was looking for inspiration to do his pillar 
he went off, kind of searching for it, and he came back and found that the apprentice had carved his pillar. And the apprentice had used, I mean, it was absolutely masterful. And the stonemason was so jealous by that. He was like, I can't do something of that caliber that he struck him and killed him. And so elsewhere in the chapel, you've got pictures carved into the stone of the stonemason, the apprentice, and the apprentice's mother. The apprentice's mother is, like, breathing, obviously. But you can, it's weird seeing, okay, you've got symmetry of a sort everywhere else. But right here, these three main pillars are so different from each other. The one in the middle, I believe it's similar to the others throughout the building, but those two on the ends are just really bizarre and seem to stand out. So yes, absolutely, that building has seen some stuff. Now conceptually think about that. You are, you're in a craft, and, and in, this, in, this, in that time, people were not allowed to travel. And because you were, sub, you were part of the, you were a subject to the crown, in this case, kings. And they're always kings. Although England has had her fair share of queens, mm -hmm. as recent history has promoted. Uh, and so to think about this, where you have a master craftsman, right. which is what the stone square would be, to be that jealous of an apprentice. Mm -hmm. Because some of I mean, in any, in any trade, I mean, these trades, right? Yes. This is an absolute trade. And to have that talent in that trade, and then for someone to look at that talent and say, not today, yeah. not today, and get so jealous to commit murder. Right. That's a big deal. Right. Especially for that period of time. Right. And the person who kind of owned the land and was in charge of the building of the chapel was William Sinclair. That's where you get into a whole bunch of other conspiracy theories, like the corn one. Apparently, he was part of the Knights Templar. He may, they may have come over to the new land and hidden the Holy Grail. Yeah, the Holy Grail, and which we don't know what it is. That's where he <laughs> saw corn. Oh, it's on Oak Island because I think that probably. They were said to, the Knights Templar were said to have been to Oak Island, maybe. So, I mean, you're talking about all kinds of, you're getting way in the weeds with the conspiracy theories, and it can just spiral out all over the place. Well, and I'm about halfway through my decade. It's got a very nice draw. What do you think of the scotch? You never told us. Uh, the scotch, it, the sherry, it, the sherry comes right through. Mm -hmm. it, it's strong. It, again, we've got another strong sherry cast. It is scotch. Uh, this is a not a mix, so it's not a blend. It's no, a, it's a single malt. I tend to all, uh, almost Le exclusively single malt. Lisa is our single malt girl. I am the blended boy, if you will, comparatively speaking. Um, and Glenn Livet never puts out a bad product. They really don't. And do we have an age on this yet? I don't believe or, we do. So that means it has to be three years. Minimum, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be longer than that. It's a nice dark color, and that's not exclusively because of the sherry. Yeah, that does help. It does help, but it, it's an amber. It's a good amber color. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so the coloring is good. Uh, I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. There were three different versions of the Nadura. This was the Sherry. I think I think they had a painted, and then there was just the normal oak cask. This was my favorite. Really? You didn't like the peated one? The peated was good, but I mean, I had just come from the islands not long before, so... You had real peaks. Yeah. So you're like, I've, I've had the real... Well, we'll here. get to that in a second. So, well, a few minutes from now. So, after I, we got kicked out of Rosslyn, we see on the signs as we're leaving that there was a castle that was built nearby, and they had brought a lot of stones over from the castle, which was in ruins even then. I mean, we're talking really ancient stuff. And so... Think about a, ca a castle being in ruins in the 1200s. Or at least they're moving out. Right, I mean, except for... We're moving out, pets. let's use the stones. <laughs> and so we're like, eh, let's go see if we can find it. They said it's nearby. We walk down this little trail, like through a gate, down a trail towards a cemetery. And I mean, the cemetery is in the middle of the woods near Roslyn Chapel. I can't think of any place spookier on the planet. And So you get that sense. You get that feel. You gotta keep walking through a ton of mud. We're talking a real trail. You're walking through the mud and everything. No, and, high, no high, ladies, no high heels, okay? No high heels. Um... So if you take one path, you end up at the top, and you're on essentially the castle wall where, well, what I envision is they're dumping hot oil over the sides and shooting arrows at the invaders. If you take the other path, and that's where most of the mud was, you go down below, and you're looking up at this, and it, it was the stone arch that had to be 30, 40 feet tall. I mean, it was just impressively massive. And just the scale of it was kind of awe-inspiring. Well, and that's the thing about that, as far as the finer things are concerned, when you can recognize the <clears throat> scale of something, because castles and these kinds of fortifications uh, did not happen overnight. No. And even with today's construction technology, they can happen, but they don't happen overnight. Right. Uh, so with stone, you have to mine the stone from a quarry, then you have to carve the stone, and mm -hmm. we're talking about using a chisel and a mallet here. So this does not happen right. overnight. And I mean, if you are part of a work crew, it might take 20, 25 years to build a structure of this nature. And right. in that time, that is, when the life expectancy is 43, right. 45, and you spend 25 years well, and that's building the thing. something. Even the arch, it's fairly easy. You just got to make a certain shape and stack all the stones together, and great, we've got an arch. The carvings on the inside of the chapel yeah, it's a little bit later in time, but we're still talking about hammer and chisel. And they're making faces and beautiful, intricate vine work and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's very hard to describe how intricate this was and how 
much there is to look at. And William Sinclair, he went through. There are certain places where he's drawing the plans on the wall. Here's what I want it to look like. They tells the stonemasons, and he's like, okay, go do that at this location. All right, now go do this in this other place. So it's much more intricate, and that's what really gets me. I've done carving of a very different type, and it's hard enough. I can't fathom trying to do a 3D sort of a thing. Right, and this is before 3D computers. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, way, it, way before. And, and even when you talk about Stoneheads, you think to yourself, how did they know? How did the people sure. involved know that? And what amazes me, and the History Channel has done a great job of espousing this kind of information, that but the mathematics they needed was right. algebra. And algebra has been around for a long time. thousand years, yeah. and the Chinese have had it for thousands of years. Yeah. So to think about that level of mathematics that they had and that they had, they could draw. I mean, you're talking about drawing it on a wall because right. it's not like you're, because right now you're picturing a architect with a an easel and with plans and then they've got a hard hat on and then they're ordering other people to yeah, do that. That is not, not what, exactly. That is not what, sort of? That is not Right. Their idea of that is that we draw these plans on the wall, and you were telling somebody to do this. But in 3D. In 3D, and you have to have perspective, you have to have that. Right. And a lot of trial and error, because as I'm sure when Lisa is walking through, you're going to see the effect of time, but you also see you do. Uh, the fact that not everybody's perfect. I was pretty close to perfect. And the fact that we're talking about, I mean, these are not sculptures. These are parts of the wall. If you get it wrong, you got to pull the brick out. And I'm not talking a little brick like on your house. I'm talking big brick. Right. Big because brick. You, and you have to tell how to mine it. And, I, and again... The quarry is not right there. You are also transporting materials here with a ancient system of sure. cart and horse. Sure. So logistically and conceptually, this is a, that gets part of the. It's astounding that that awe that you yeah. look at and you're like, wow. And then you think to yourself, can we do this today? And you're like, yeah, we can do this today. Yeah, sure. But we have the benefit of a lot of, and they, I mean, they had pulleys. Uh, and, you know, sure. and, and you think about these very simple inventions, like the pulley system, um, and then right. you're like, "This is because it, these are these stones are tons, right? They weigh thousands of pounds." And to be fair, William Sinclair had gobs of money, uh, money all over the place, and so they were operating at the absolute height of technology. For what they had in that time. And that was the absolute height of technology. That was the We've got the pulleys. <laughs> it's not people just carrying it. Right. So, Roslyn, again, if you've got the opportunity to go, you want to go. Uh, and again, yes. see if you like history. If you're, uh, I tend to enjoy yes. history. Uh, I think Lisa does as well. Lenny did not know about Roslyn Chapel, and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, might, we got to go. That might be more of go. a... Where he grew up. Oh, it might be. Versus, uh, he's not Anglo-Saxon. Sure. He's Russian. Sure. And so Russian's version 
Russia's version is different. Well, very, absolutely. They have their own. They have their own, and it's beautiful. I mean, some of the buildings that I've seen pictures of in Moscow are just beautiful, amazing. But it's different. It's really different style. The same is true of many Asian countries. They have a very long history. They also have their very own style. But, you know, the styles grew up independently of each other, and they kind of went from there. After we left Rosslyn so Castle, we went and had a nice curry again. Another curry, same place or different place? Different place, because the first one was in Glasgow. This was, it was close to Rosslyn. It wasn't in Edinburgh proper. Sure. Was it? It was, was it? highly ranked. I think they... Highly ranked by who? Did you, how did you, using the power of the interwebs? Yep, I got on the internet, and they were like, the number one curry in Edinburgh is what they were voted by, I don't know who, somebody. Somebody. It, it seemed like this is a decent thing. This is a... It wasn't. Oh, it was. Oh, it was amazing. They make it hot enough. Um, they had kind of a Sunday dinner. So it was pick two appetizers, pick a non, pick three entrees, and so... It, was, it wasn't hot as much as it was very creative, and there were things in there that it's like, oh, well, I haven't tried this before. I don't, I don't have a clue what this is, but it's amazing. One of them was fairly sweet. I usually don't go for sweet in my entrees, but um, this was nice. Everything in there was perfect. And after a long day of walking, it hit the spot, it I did. am sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, you got to walk. I mean, this is not a, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it's, it's rough terrain. These are very rough terrains uh, where you need your wellies, your boots uh, to tromp around in sometimes. Yep. So we're done with Roslyn. Mm-hmm. We, the next day, where does that take us? Well, we checked into Edinburgh that night, and we stayed there that night and one more night in the same hotel room. Edinburgh had a... uh, It's the biggest city in Scotland. I believe it's the capital, and so there's a lot to explore. Their main drag is Buchanan Street, because Buchanan was a large tobaccoist and tobacco trader. Uh, And the reason I know that is because that is my last name. So when I was traping around Edinburgh, I was like, hey, they got my name everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, it was, it was, and it's one of those things where like, oh my God, and then they can give you the history of your name, yeah. which is pretty cool. Uh, you know, and I, and from my perspective, I wear a kilt, uh, and Lisa, I don't know if Lisa's seen me in the kilt. I can't remember. But uh, I tend to wear a kilt, uh, on various different holidays, uh, and I will, and I will wear that to court. Um, everybody's like, well, you're Irish, I go, no, I'm wearing a kilt, and Usually, let me tell you, when I wear my kilt to court, it's a uh, it's a hit by everybody uh, because I'm. I know of another attorney that wears a kilt to court. I can't remember. I don't know his name, but I know him by looks. Not a big crowd. Not a big crowd. Yeah, no, it's not. And you get a lot of looks, and they're like, "Who is this guy?" And I'm like, "I'm the guy wearing a kilt," and you're wondering various different things. So let's just be frank. Here. <laughs> I'm comfortable with who I am. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry about this kind of thing. Um, and I actually looked, uh, looked at actually getting a, uh, 
a kilt made for myself with my tartan mm-hmm. in uh, Edinburgh when I was there. And my I, son has one with his tartan. We do not have Scottish on my side. Okay, so I'll go into that story for a minute. Well, you finish your story and then I'll talk about it. So, in, in the, the button mine up, so I have Buchanan plaid, and it's nice. You can you can see it. It's usually one they pick for movies and whatnot because yeah. it has every primary color. Some tartans are nice. Some are oh, you paired yellow and purple. That's an interesting. Design. And you're like, how does, how does this work? And so when I was looking at having a kilt made, you know, you you read the various different uh, historical uh, aspects of it, but the term the whole nine yards. Comes uh-huh. from kilt making. It does. It's because it takes nine yards of wool to make a kilt. And I would, and again, in Scotland, especially the more north you go, it gets cold. It gets. Oh, it gets cold. Very cold. Oh my god, it gets cold, guys. And we're talking about. Like in the middle of summer, it gets cold. From what we're used to, especially in northeast Ohio and very, depending on where you are, uh, it, it can get cold. And so my question was. It, because these are our products, these are it's a natural fiber. Yes, been around for a thousand years, and so I was always asking, like, uh, this is a little cold. Does it keep you warm in the wintertime? It's and, wool, and the resounding the resounding answer was always yes. Yeah, and and again, this is worsted wool, and mm-hmm. you're handmade, and well, to an extent, and it's just very interesting to see how. Something as so simple as clothing, right, which is made of a natural fiber, can withstand the elements. Oh yeah, and it has withstood the elements. Yep, and will continue to do so because it's from wool and from a sheep. Yeah, and that they, we've had sheep for <laughs> uh, you know a thousand years, so you have this product that you can always make. So it's very very interesting uh, to from that aspect. Yeah. So anyway, so I start. Last year when I went to Scotland, beforehand I started researching, okay, I want to know what my clan is, I want to know what my tartan looks like, I want to do some research before I go over there, see where my people are from, because I thought we were just solidly all of the British Isles, the whole UK, everywhere around there, we've got it all. That is awesome. Wes is hitting me up for a little bit more of the glim of it, and I'm passing it Occasionally, it, depending on, and again, Lisa brought the scotch in, occasionally she'll look at me before we take. And this is very, very important. Uh, before we, we uh, make the recording, she'll, she'll fill my glass, and she'll look at me and say, that's, that's it. That's it. I did that with the often <laughs> And that's okay, because... Uh, you know, we're all. Oh, I'm gonna cut him off if he pours too much. We're, we're all on the same page. He gets so, one more pour, and that's about all. We we're we all do that. You know, and I've always been very judicious. And I'm starting to run a little low, and so she's I'm gonna give me her glass. So. I am. So anyway, I start researching. Where is my clan? Where are we from? What's my carton look like? And I discover, oh, I don't have any Scottish. In fact, I don't have any Irish. There's, She's a mutt. There's no. There's none of the British that I thought I had. What I find is, oh my god, we're Welsh, like back to the Roman third. times sent over from Constantine. We're Welsh. That's uh, a big difference. Really, really Welsh. 
I can't. <laughs> no, like there's I. Welsh, and then there's really Welsh. Well, okay, let me put it in perspective. I traced it back, and I found. I kind of got stuck at one point, and then I found one source. That source took me back over 40 generations. Oh my God, guys! How did you? How did you? Uh, now, someone published a book. I don't know, 60s or 70s, and it had traced this person as the son of this person, and so it just laid it out, and the, it was following one right after another. The original Ancestry.com. Mm-hmm. And so that, I mean, that's important. It, you know, as everybody has a history, everybody has a, uh, an ancestral home, and we're all pretty close to each other, and now that we have the DNA tests that you can take to determine well, what... Well, and I did, and it backed it up. Obviously, I have more because that was my dad's side only. My mom's side, yeah, I'm a mutt. So but what, well, yeah, what, so you did, you did do the DNA I test. I did do the DNA test. I have not done the DNA test. It's interesting. Because I have the answers anyway. Yeah. Um, my aunt, uh, my dad's sister, my dad's older sister, uh, did the test. And now my mother wanted to do the test. And the, and I, the 23andMe, or yeah. the, you know, those kinds of things. And so my aunt on my dad's side did a test, and it came back uh, 99.8% oh my God. Uh, Northern European and English. Wow. <laughs> so we, we, you know, I'm pretty confident. Well, with the last name Buchanan, I, I mean. Right. So, uh, and my grandmother, my dad's mom, uh, did, when, before she passed, she got into genealogy mm-hmm. pretty, pretty late in life, but... She she took us back to the American Revolution and then got us sure. back to uh, Scotland, sure. uh, which was uh, pretty cool. Because in that when she was doing it, I mean, it, like Lisa is indicating, you had to go and hunt hunt the information down. You couldn't punch it into a computer, and there right. wasn't a large database like we we do. Have, we are starting to compile this information, right? Um, so it, I mean, it took some time. Well, it took some effort. And mine was a little bit easier to trace, not for happy reasons exactly. I found out that the ancestor that moved us from Wales to the United States was sent here essentially to keep the Native American population in check. Sent? That's always... He was in the military and he was sent here. He was Ordered out. Yeah, he was stationed here. Because again, we're talking about a time in history. And we stayed. Right, and we're talking about a time in history where there were not that many professions. You were a doctor, you were a lawyer, or you were in the military. Or you had a trade. Or you were, you were a tradesman. I mean, those really limited um, on as far as who you were and what you could do. Yep. And there was not a lot of upward mobility. Right. Because your name, uh, for instance, to give the what my name means, Buchanan, it means House of Cannon. Okay. And so what my ancestors were very good at was creating and building artillery. Okay. Because, and so, you know, that's why we, they were called the blacksmiths. You know what I mean? And sure. so some people's names were because of their profession. Right. Um, and, and that's, and that's kind of helped because again, sure. it's a simpler time because communication and education, because until we start writing stuff down, everything is a part of an oral history and like you, everybody is experienced with the game of telephone. When you start at A, by the time you get to Z, mm-hmm. things change, yep. and it's the game of telephone. So, uh, but when you start at A, it's very you start with a name, and usually the name right. means something, and that usually oh, 
It's weird. John. He lives by the hill. That morphs into John Hill. Correct. And so that's how it becomes. So, you know, if you do have that inclination to check out your yeah. family's history, I would definitely do that because that's... Whether or not it applies to you, it, it does at least right. give you some clarity because everybody has a history. It was interesting doing the ancestry, the, the genealogy test, and finding out, oh, okay, there's some sub-Saharan Africa, there's some Middle East, there's a whole bunch of Europe, sure. which I knew. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's like, the weird wild cards that are thrown in there. It's like, oh, yeah. well, okay, I didn't see that coming, but yeah. all right, cool. So, yeah, my aunt did that, came out 99.8%. Mine and, isn't that. And then my uh, my mom wanted to do it, so I got it for her for uh, last Christmas. Nice. And so, uh, you know, that was her big gift, and she got the results, and it was uh, 98% Northern European. <laughs> sure. And... It was 2% Native American. Okay. And so it, it was uh, one of those things, because she had always said that she had family that were pure sure. Native Americans. And you're, to see the high percentages. Right. When I had children, they were blonde hair and blue eyes. Right. So there was no shock. And I was a blonde hair, blue eyed kid. Right. And there's no shock when you have a 99 and yeah. a 98%, uh, you know, from the parent's side. Uh, can you guarantee what happens? No. But you can get pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my kids do anyway. have some Scottish history from their dad's side. And I know their clan. I know exactly which one to look for. My son has a kilt in his tartan. It's very nice looking. And cool. We got it when we went when I went with them to Glasgow the very first time that I went to Scotland. Not last year years before that. Anyway, I am going, we went to Edinburgh Castle. It's beautiful. It's amazing. There were so many damn people. It was not my thing at all. Too many. And I will say, we were there right before the tattoo, which is their big military festival. If you ever get a chance to see it, I saw it last year. It's amazing. I cannot state how cool it is watching it. And what is and tattoo? Because when you say tattoo, right, we think of body art. Yes, this is not that. Um, I've I've read the history of it before. The name, I think, it comes from the sounding of the bells at last call. I don't quote me on that. That makes more sense I coming from a Scottish <laughs> uh, country because yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. But it's amazing. I, when I went last year, there were like I counted them up, kind of multiplying and everything. But there were approximately 125 bagpipe players playing "Amazing Grace" all at the same time. I that can get you nothing. Right? Yeah, you, you you don't have a pulse. Everybody in the stands. It had to be like. Seven to ten thousand people all at once, linking arms, swaying, singing "Old Lang Syne" all together, and it was just amazing. You've got groups from all over the world that are just—they're like they're the elite 
dancers or singers or something of that nature, the United States Navy sent a group and they were doing America. Kind of their flipping of the rifles and it it was amazing. Oh my god, those guys had their timing down perfectly. They they lined up in two lines facing each other, and they've got rifles with bayonets on the end. So we're talking knives, guys. Not, not small objects. Either. They're not. And they're flipping them around like a gymnast. Synchronized. Synchronized to the point that you've got one guy. They start flipping them, and this one guy walks through. With now, impunity. With impunity. Absolute confidence and... No hesitation whatsoever. And if they were off by a millisecond, him walking or them flipping them, he would have been sliced to ribbons. He gone. And everybody was kind of politely golf clapping throughout most of it. And then they line up and do that. And Cheers. everyone... Roars. No. They were dead silent. It was like, oh my God, did you see that fool do that? The ultimate sign that the ultimate standing ovation is when you have the crowd yes, silent because they're stunned. They're watching your every momentary action. And then they start roaring, clapping, screaming, and the guy does it again. And that's when it just really they lose it. Gotta they're walk back. really clapping at that point. <laughs> So, it's cool. If you ever get a chance to see that, do it. But it was right... We were there this time, right before the tattoo. I think it was going to be taking place the day we left. So, there was no chance of us seeing it. And the largest festival in the world, it's called the Fringe Festival. That's in Edinburgh. It was also right before the Fringe was taking place. That's also a really cool thing to see. You should go check that out. But... You had a ton of people that were in that area, in Edinburgh, because they were getting ready for what was about to happen. You get a prep. Like the next weekend. Got a prep. And not just prep. They're getting there. They're checking into their hotel because they're going to go see both of them. Got to get the lay of the I land. mean, the city was just flooded with people. And it was really, it was a lot. It was too many for my tastes at Edinburgh Castle, so... I couldn't really enjoy it like I wanted to. Well, it, it, and that it goes along with the number of people there. One of the um, interesting things also, if you have the opportunity to uh, tour uh, London as well, is you can take a tour of Parliament, much like you can take a tour sure. of the United States Congress. Sure. Uh, which is another, again... Oh, I've done Congress. I haven't done Parliament. Everybody does it in eighth grade, but if you have the opportunity yeah. to go back as a... Well, not where I grew up. Well, yeah. you had an opportunity to go back as a... Uh, as an adult, you get to because you, you're seeing right. how our government works. Because uh, Washington D.C. was set up to be and planned to be yeah. the ultimate home field advantage because you got a lot of uh, visiting dignitaries. Right. One of the things that uh, in London, as far as Parliament was concerned, was that they had the white lines. And if you've ever watched uh, late at night, it's always late at night. What are called the Prime Minister's Questions. Um, which are making more and more news now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see the lines on the floor sure. of Parliament. And on the tour, 
one of the neat things that they tell you is that those lines are a specific distance. And you think to yourself, well, how, they, they had to have this distance. I mean, you couldn't just okay. manufacture this distance, right? And the tour guide says that the distance, it is one sword's length plus three inches okay. away from the other side. Ah. Because you oh, would I have, already figured out why. <laughs> you would have people who may, and, they, and again, it's not sexist, but they're all men. They, they, this was before women were in parliament, right. and they had swords. Okay, we well, just get over that fact. And they would have swords, and you give a boy a sword, and you make that boy angry, and you're talking about politics. Sure. That sword may get used. Now, <laughs> here's a fun little curiosity. I could not have predicted it, but I'm American, so, you know, maybe they could have seen it coming. While I was over there, Theresa May left Prime Minister and Boris Johnson. Yes, he's now their new Prime the new. That happened while I was there in Scotland, so it was kind of weird waking up and hearing the news, and you're hearing the locals kind of chattering Gossip. about it, and... It, it was it was unusual. It would be like a foreigner coming here for a vacation and the president just decided to step down that day. And it's like, oh my God, what just happened? Yeah, the transition of power. It, it's it, bizarre. It is, and, and again, one of the at least to go back to uh, the American um, uh, our system of government. It's that you always when the Previous president, like Obama is a previous president when he writes a book, and Bush has said the same thing. He goes, The biggest thing about being president is not the uh, day of being president, it's the day that you transition to the next guy. Sure. Because you then become a citizen. Right. And you go from being, arguably speaking, the most powerful man on earth. Right. To being just a citizen. Right. And that transition is. Flawless. Nobody fights. You know what I mean? I mean, flawless to the level of, like, they're moving the previous president's personal belongings out of the White House while the new president is being sworn in. And that's a really fairly short period of time. And to orchestrate something like that to occur in such a finite, very small period of time one guy's stuff goes out, new guy's stuff goes in, and everything's set up, boom, right ready there. to go, and, and he's not even there. And that's the interesting, uh, and, and when you, like again, like Lisa's touring these um, different, uh, is because you, it's a transition of power. And, right. and, you as a citizen, and it works a little bit differently over there. I mean, we have... We have very, every four or eight years, somebody new is going to come Correct. in. Correct. We, 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 there, it's more, eh, stepping down today. Right. They, Goodbye. They, there's, a, there's a way more fluid, the parliamentary system is way more fluid. I than, won't claim to be an expert. Than, than the American uh, Republic, fluid, what we would call our democracy. Though we're not but a it democracy. It works for them. But it works for them. And again, the part of that, though, is when you do that from a historical, not necessarily whatever your political beliefs are. Sure. But when you do it from a uh, from a historic perspective, and you look at it through a his, historical lens, you see how different countries transition power and how they learn and how they govern themselves. Because right. countries are free to govern themselves how they so choose. 
And at least from the English perspective, we're more familiar with it because that's where we came from. Yeah. And that was mommy and daddy. That was mommy and daddy. And one of the greatest jokes we use every 4th of July is that we always thank the queen or the king, whoever the 4th of July is, because we have what's called Independence Day. Yep. And without the United Kingdom, 53 countries would not have an Independence Day because we were celebrating our independence from now. So so when you think of Independence Day, you're like, well, who did we become independent from? Right. England, or colloquially, the United Kingdom. I think Wes puts a lot more thought into it than most people. I think for most people, Independence Day is, hmm, hamburgers and hot dogs. Beer, guns, and let's blow something up, baby. Oh, we got to explode all of the things (laughs) in all of the pretty colors. (laughs) So Edinburgh got pretty busy for you. Yep. So there's two other aspects that I kind of want to touch on. I'm going to skip a lot of the last of the trip because I've talked about Glenn Allachie before and doing that private tour, and that was amazing. She's still I'm talking not, about it. That's I'm, how cool it was. I'm not going to go into the details here because you already know them. Um, the last two days, we stayed in a castle. That was cool. Big fire thing. When we talk about uh, oh, the fire, no, 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 baby. Let's, let's think about it. It was over my birthday. I stayed in a castle on my birthday, went and had, they're not Michelin star yet. Lisa's got dimples, they and when she's talking be, about this, it's... They will be. It was, it was an amazing dinner that I had on my birthday. Lenny treated me like a queen, and I... I toured Glen Alachi on my birthday. I mean, it was just a perfect day. Could not have gone any better. Perfect day. But a lot of the end of the trip, it was kind of, okay, we've seen, like, everything. A lot of things. We've done every distillery. We got a little bit tired of going to the distilleries. It's like, what? else is there to do conceptually i don't think i can get there but that's I, awesome. I mean we went to a lot god it had to be it had to be minimum 20 different distilleries we didn't do a tour of everyone but i mean minimum guys Life. we did a lot of distilleries life's hardships right here oh no you know what i'll go i'll go this far it was probably 20 on the mainland because we've got nine over on the island. I was going to say you were halfway there. Yeah, well, it was probably 20 at least on the mainland. So one of the other things that I want to talk about is one of them that I toured, it's not necessarily my favorite scotch. It's Glen Murray. It's good. It's solid. We did, we didn't do the tour, but we did a tasting there and it was a flight. So we're sharing a flight and one of them was dedicated to the Scottish rugby team because Glen Murray is a sponsor. Awesome. And that was a, this was like the limited edition flight. One of them was sold out. So you can taste it. You can't buy it. Uh, it's gone. Such a tease. It's gone. Because you know that's the one you're going to like. The No, the other one that I liked, the one that I really want to talk about, was a peated. Of course it was. No, but it's a space site peated. Ooh, not no. from Not, Island. no. Now think about, 
the difference. We talked about it a little bit before. Peat is a kind of essentially a very, very, very old compost. And it's also a limited quantity. So it is a... There's a lot of it. We're not going to run out anytime soon. But there is a but limited quantity. But it is quality. limited. It's finite. It's like, finite. It's like oil. There's a, sure. Sure. There's a yeah. bunch of it. Exactly. But we could run out of it. Right. Someday we will. So the thing is, you're taking the plant matter that grows in that area. On the island, you've got your seaside, you've got decaying seaweed and algae and that sort of thing. It's a very medicinal sort of a taste to it. I.e. high alcohol content. Yeah. Because that's what she says. When she says medicinal, that's the clue. Well, no. Medicinal, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The Eilie is called, I mean, they talk about it in terms of a burning hospital is the flavor because it's medicinal and it's smoky. Speyside is not like that. You've got decaying heather and thistle, and it's a very different sort of plant. Um, Speyside, the reason there's so many distilleries in the Speyside area is because the water is exceptionally good. And so... Gotta have good water. You do have to have really good water for scotch. And, I mean, they go to great lengths to... This is my water. I think Glenn Fittick has bought all of the land near an entire river. I mean, we're talking miles and miles and miles just to protect their water source. It's that important. To protect the water source, and because of that, they also engage in a lot of conservation efforts. They do. Because, and so it, it's, the, it's the economic choice, again, because you're trying to make a product that takes 10 years to make, you're trying to have a consistent supply. So Right. You, They're all about consistency. So to have that consistent supply, you've got to engage in various different conservation yep. efforts. You, you know that you can't use too much, and you know what your limit is because yep. you don't want to overuse. And so it, it, as far as resource management and land management is concerned, it's built in. It's, well, ac- it's economically built in because you know, sure. as a distiller, I, I like like I like this water. This water is right. perfect. This water comes from this river. So how do I guarantee myself that right. I'm going to have this supply, not only for my well-being to make the scotch mm-hmm. that I want to make, but then to keep that consistency in <clears> a high-value product? And that's another reason why Glenfiddich bought so much of the land around the water is because then they've got access to all of the water, not just, hey, yeah, we've got this one kind of mile around our property. They're a bigger distillery, so they want to put out a lot of product. They need a lot of water to do so. They bought the land, and now they've got that water. Private property rights, and, yep. so, and that's and so that's the riparian rights. That's yes. West and I are flashing <laughs> back to law school. Oh my! Yeah. I used that once in my legal career. Yeah, once. And let me I never that. have, and that's fine. <laughs> oh, let's keep it that way. A lot of people have used it zero times, um, but and that, so that's one of the things. So how do you guarantee it? Because again, going back to how do you create a product and how do you keep that consistency of the product sure. because as far as a guarantee is concerned the only way that you can guarantee it as lisa is talking about is to buy it right and so you have to have the resources to buy it and then buy it protect it and then you've got it. It, correct you've got to buy it and then you've got to figure out then you've got to have the science behind it 
to protect it. And then, can, again, we're talking about a pH level, hardness. I mean, the qualities of water are, while it is Earth's most abundant supply... Most of it is not usable. Most of it is non-potable water, and so you have... Uh, so you have to figure out what, mm-hmm. and, and again, in this country, we have water rights, especially in Colorado, Arizona, sure. uh, California, in those regions where most of the fights that they're going to have from this point forward in the state of California oh, will yeah. be over water. And right. you think to yourself, what? But they're on the coast. Right. They're on, you know, and so. But you can't drink salt water, guys. Right. And there's not enough desalination plants. And so it, that creates its own industry. And so it, you can see how even in the, in the scotch manufacturing process, mm-hmm. you have to have science and chemistry and yep. biology and all of these sciences to say, okay, you first you've got to find a water that you like. Sure. You solve that problem. Okay, now what is it about this water that we need to keep? Right. And then as Lisa's talking about, okay, so the thistle... How do you truly control it? Correct. And so, so the heather... And the thistle will all add these qualities, and then you go right. ahead and say, okay, if it's a good year, if it's a bad year, you can you can measure these things through various different metrics. Yeah. And so it's very interesting from an agricultural perspective, right? To see they are getting down to the nitty gritties and drilling well, down to say, okay, if because they have, especially with computing and this day and age, sure, they can say, okay, we have produced, for instance. In 2018, they have the temperature, the humidity, sure. and the growing season. So the distillers all know that based upon those factors, this is the kind of product they can expect. Now, will you have outliers? Absolutely. But they know by and large that they can almost get this down very, very precisely based upon well, and meteorological most, incidents here. Most of the distilleries have computerized where they switch between the head, heart, and tail spirits it's all computerized now sure a lot of them you've got the master distiller they can sit there and they can say no not switching it yet well not and, time and it didn't start that but the computer says do it now now is the proper exact moment when you do it so a lot of it is computerized but a lot of it is also just eh, let's gut. see what happens it's a gut, it's a gut call and, and, and think about that though before the computer and everything else like that, these distillers were doing it on... And getting that consistency. On a gut call. I mean, honestly, the consistency, that's why a lot of the blends came about, is like Johnny Walker. One of them. You came about because um, you have to add so little scotch to a different base. And so it, it has the same flavor... And one barrel will make a ton of the blended, but it carries that flavor, and yet you have that consistency throughout. Whereas most of the Scotch distillers, maybe, maybe not. It's like Lisa's peat. You can use a little bit of peat, and it can go a long way. Yes. So you've got to know, and and, and when you're this trade, you're you're. Before the computer and everything else like that, it's the gut call. It's the it's that gut call of saying, "Yeah, this will do." Or sure. nah, wait just a, you know wait another month or oh, you know. Sure. So 
So the reason I really wanted to talk about this is because that Pete from Glen Murray, a space side Pete, Glen Murray, it goes into a lot of blends. They do have some that are single malt. That's not their main business priority, I guess. That peat, you smell the scotch, and it smells like barbecue. I mean, specifically, North Carolina barbecue. Which is tough to do because you're not in North Carolina. No, but it's far from it. It's a very meaty kind of a scent to it, and it sort of had that taste. It's there's nothing medicinal about it. It's all smoky. It's very meaty. It was really good. Uh, honestly, that is the one bottle and the one distillery I regret I didn't buy. But now I know for when I go back. I already have my plans. Got to stop by there. Good. Yeah. All right. Lisa, give us one good thing. Oh, God. I don't even have one good thing. It's been really good lately. My son got promoted to Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps. Good job, baby. Um, I'm really close to getting my Mustang back up and running. I mean, really close, guys. And she can taste it. She can feel it. And my new associate is just killing at work. God dang, he's good at what he does, and I'm very proud of him. It's been phenomenal lately. What about you? That's awesome. Uh, one good thing is that I will say in a phrase, the little things matter. The little well, things matter. Well, yeah, but what matter. does that mean? Give so us details. my one good thing, and we can elaborate next time, All right. will be the little things. The little things. Well, now I'm curious. All, All right. right. you got to stay tuned for next time, I guess. Again, thank you for listening to the Finer Things Podcast. I'm Wes. I'm Lisa. We are podcasting live from the Members Only Lounge here at the beautiful Cigar Lodge in Akron, Ohio. Yep. How can we find you? Intricate Girl on Instagram. You can find me at Jet Set Lawyer. Thanks again for making the donations to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash things. And again, mention this podcast at the Cigar Lodge for a special discount. Take care.